Hey, good morning, everyone. Ah, uh, you guys look great today. Nice and windy and cold, but that didn't stop us from coming to church this morning, right? Hey, thank you for being here. Uh, it's great to see you. Welcome to New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center, and it's so great to see you uh, today. Go Niners, right? All right. Uh, go Cowboys? Oh, okay. If there's anybody out there, just be quiet, because we don't want any violence this morning in the house of the Lord, all right? Uh, yeah, it's going to be some good games today. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, we got to take care of some God business first. So thank you for being here this morning. Hey, if you're here for the very first time, uh, you may have gotten one of these programs when you come in. We just want to draw attention uh, to that and some things that's uh, happening here at the campus uh, beginning uh, back this week, resuming this week, uh, is our Bible study. So our men's Bible study is on Tuesday mornings at 630, our women's Bible study. We have two of those, one on Monday night and another one on Tuesday morning. Also, you'll see that we have our men's breakfast. Okay, if you have not signed up for a men's breakfast yet, that is happening this coming Saturday, the 28th at 8 a.m. Richard Sanchez, raise your hand. Richard's making breakfast for us, and so it's going to be good. Richard always does a great job. So make sure you sign up for that. Uh, all you have to do is just go to our website, newlifecc.com, or uh, go to our app, and you can sign up. Or just come and let me know how many, you know, say, hey, I'm coming. I'm bringing three people with me. But bring somebody with you. Bring somebody, uh, a neighbor or a friend that doesn't attend church anywhere, okay, because that's all always a great way uh, to introduce people to other men uh, at our campus and also just to see that, you know, we're not a bunch of weirdos, <laughs> that we're just a bunch of dudes trying to do life together. And uh, we eat breakfast, breakfast together and we got a special speaker that's going to be here, Pastor Brian from our Turlock campus. Uh, he oversees our student ministry there. And so he's going to be, he's been here several times. Uh, you, maybe you guys have heard him speak, uh, but he's going to be our guest speaker men. So don't forget, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, it's going to be a great connection uh, for all of us. Also, if you're here for the first time, we have a gift for you. So if this is your first time here, we have this little coffee mug uh, for you. It's got our uh, little logo on it. So all you have to do is just walk out uh, those doors, walk up to our welcome center there. You'll see somebody, one of our volunteers there. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, just say, hey, it's my first time here. And we'll give you that mug. And just to say thank you for checking this out. Thank you for being our guest with us this morning at New Life. And also, if you're here for the first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. I love that. Hey, um, also, if you came prepared to give, now if you're here for the very first time, you just sit back and relax. This does not apply to you. This applies to people who already call New Life their home. Uh, but we just want to say thank you for your sacrificial giving. Thank you for your generosity. Um, every single week, I'm amazed to see how God is increasing our generosity here for this campus specifically. So if this is your home church and you've not yet engaged in that discipline of giving back of your resources, we just want to challenge you and encourage you to do so. And uh, there's four ways that you can give back to God through New Life. You can do that through our app, through our um, uh, website. You can do that here on the weekends. We have a giving box located there uh, by uh, the door. So as you're walking by, you can just drop that in or you can mail that in as well. But we just want to say thank you so much because we could not do it uh, without your generosity. So thank you so much. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up to the book of Romans. And we're also going to be uh, let me look ahead here. In the book of Philippians, uh, if you don't have your uh, Bibles, that's fine. The, the scripture is going to be behind us uh, on the screen as we, go as we go through the message this morning. Uh, Pastor Tito is back there uh, running our, our sound. Our tech person got sick this morning, so he's back there. Say hello, Pastor Tito. 
Hey, <laughs> he's back there chilling out. Uh, but I just want to encourage you, if you have a middle school or a high school student and they have not yet engaged in our student ministries program, you need to get them here. I promise you they will love it. Our uh, high school meets on Tuesday nights, our middle school meets on Wednesday nights, and they are having a blast. It is growing, and Tito, Pastor Tito is doing a great job with our students. So if you have a middle school student or a high school student and you haven't, you haven't introduced them to our student ministry program yet, uh, Pastor Tito is doing a great job working with our students, and I know Miss Anna is uh, doing a great job over there in our kids' uh, ministry every week as well. We have a lot of things going on, and we have a lot of things coming up as well. We are an active church. Uh, even in our community with our food pantry on Thursdays. And so we do a lot around here. So there's a lot of things that you can do to get involved. So if you ever are sitting around, you think, you know what, it's time for me to uh, become active. It's time for me to begin serving here at this church. This is my home church. Make sure you come and find us and, uh, and we will get you connected, okay? You know, when I was a teenager, uh, I know that you guys here in, in, uh, in California, when you when you use toilet paper on people's houses, what do you call that? TP. And see, in the South, we call that rolling. I have no idea why. Maybe because it's a toilet paper roll. And we just, and so I was actually <laughs> really good at it. All right. I got I to gotta tell you. And uh, so we, we would go rolling. We would go TP in uh, quite often. And so one time when I was a teenager, I think I was around 16, 17 years old, a bunch of friends and I, and we didn't do it to our enemies. We did it to our friends. Right? We're like, hey, let's go roll some, so-and-so's yard tonight. So we picked uh, one of our friends to go roll. And uh, so we showed up uh, to his house about 1 o'clock in the morning. And we had over 100 rolls of toilet paper. I mean, we were going to do it real nice. Right? <laughs> he had these huge, beautiful, decades-old oak trees in their front yard. And we thought, man, this is going to be a white Christmas right here. And it was in the summertime too, but we thought, here we go. So we spent about 30 minutes, man, just meticulously getting every, all of his bushes, all of the trees and everything. And throughout the process, I kept asking the other guys, I'm like, hey, do you guys smell cigarettes? And they're like, no. I'm like, dude, I know I smell cigarette smoke from somewhere. And we just kept on going, you know, going and going. What we didn't know was that the dad of our friend was tipped off. And he sat on his front, po on his front porch and just watched us have the time of our life. One cigarette after another, just watching us. I'm like, I knew I smelled cigarettes, you know. And so uh, what we also didn't know was that he tipped off the sheriff's department. And they were hiding uh, their cars behind some of the trees and some in the woods and everything. And so right about the right time, all the lights come on, police lights come on, and we start scattering like roaches. Well, I thought, I'm not going to outrun. I'm not going to get tackled by a cop at 1 o'clock in the morning. Then they called my dad, and we got your 16-year-old here, you know. And so I just stayed there. And so after about 10 minutes, they rounded us all up. And we're sitting in the police car or on the police car. They didn't even put cuffs on us. We're just sitting there. They're laughing at us. All except for one, one of my friends. His name was Jason. We thought, man, where, where did Jason go? And so the cop said, hey, here's the deal. Until your buddy Jason is found, you guys are here. I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay, we're ratting this guy out. He's right over there. He ran into the cornfield. We got to get, we want to go home, you know. So they go, f flashlights and everything. They didn't, as soon as they, Jason knew that they were coming in to get him, he comes out with his hands raised, crying like a baby, <laughs> saying, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. And we're all like, dude, you're not, they're not going to shoot you, okay? We're just rolling. 
And so then we had to come back the next day and uh, clean it all up. But it was, it was a great experience. But I, was just, I think about uh, Jason coming out with his hands raised, crying like a baby, saying, I surrender. And that's what the police want us to do. They, they want us, anytime that you see a cop show or whatever, what do they say? Let me see your hands, right? Hands up, I surrender, please don't shoot. And so they always want to see your hands because they're basically saying, let me see that you are surrendering to me. Okay, don't reach for anything. Don't lower your hands. Keep your hands up where I can see them. And there are other reasons why we raise our hands. Uh, maybe we're sitting in class. We know the answer to a question. We raise our hand. Uh, maybe during uh, a roll call and the, the teacher's calling our names, don't say here because I don't want to hear your voice. I want to put a face to a name. So raise your hand when I call your name. Or even in here on Sunday mornings during worship. Here on Sundays, we might see several people with their hands raised while they're singing, and this is an act of surrender. It's an act of worship. When we raise our hands toward heaven, we're communicating to God, Father, I submit myself to you. I submit my ways to your ways. I submit my will to your will. So we began the series last week by asking ourselves some pretty important questions that people have been asking literally for thousands of years. Questions like, who am I? Why am I here? Where did I, where did I even come from? We talked about some of those questions last week. If you, wanna, if you weren't here last week, you want to catch up. Last week was the first message of this series that we're in called Becoming. And so you can catch up on our YouTube channel or go to our website. But then we took some of those questions uh, a little further and we got personal. We got deeper by asking some follow-up questions like, who am I becoming? Or where am I going in the life after this one? And we gave a challenge for all of us to really look intently at ourselves and take some inventory regarding who we're becoming and saying, am I becoming the person that God designed and created and meant for me to be? In other words, am I living a life that brings me closer to Jesus or am I living a life that pulls me away from Jesus? So here are some even deeper questions today specifically in your relationship with Jesus today. Am I the same person today in my walk with God that I was 10 years ago, that I was five years ago, that I was one year ago? Because I've got some bad news for all of us. If we have the exact same relationship with Jesus that we did 10 years ago, I'm not saying that that we may not have a relationship with Jesus or we're not where we're supposed to be in, in our right standing with Jesus. But if we're not growing and developing, there's an issue. We should be closer to Jesus today than we were even six months ago or a year ago or five years ago. We should be different. So today, we're going to begin talking about the how behind some of these questions. Remember, in order to be who God designed us to be, we need to embrace who Jesus is and our identity in him. Because God gave us our personality. God gave us our gifts. God gave us our skills and our strengths and weaknesses and our abilities and our talents to be used for his kingdom here on earth. So in order to do that, we have to be pursuing Jesus who truly showed us how to live and who truly showed us how to surrender. So today we're going to look at what it means to surrender like Jesus. And here's the big idea for today. I've been trying to do this on a regular basis, giving us kind of a big idea that we can all walk away with. Here's the big idea for today. Surrendering to Jesus is an everyday discipline. 
It's an everyday discipline. So what does it mean to surrender? Well, here's the definition of surrender. To stop resisting and submit to someone else's authority. Or I like this definition as well. To give up or to yield to the power of another. Because we're surrendered. I mean, we are all in on the things that we love the most, aren't we? I mean, it could be a sport. It could be a job. It could be our our schedule. It could be our calendar. It could be our to-do list. It could be a a hobby that we are all in for. We are 100% for the things that that are really important to us. We prepare. We practice. We study. We sacrifice so that we can be fully engaged and focused on the things that are really important to us. It's good to be dedicated, but sometimes those things can become too much of a priority in our lives. It's all about where we place those priorities in our hearts. Have we truly surrendered first and foremost to God, giving him our full attention? After all, he demands it. Don't have any other gods before me. The Ten Commandments that we, that we talked about, uh, that we studied a few months ago. And not only does he demand it, he deserves it because he is God. Now, I know that in our culture, some of us hate the word surrender, all right, especially dudes, all right? We hate the word surrender, but Jeremy, I don't want to surrender. That means that I give up. That means that I don't get to win, and I'm a guy, and I really want to win. And that's true in culture, and it's true sometimes in natural terms, but in spiritual terms, this is really different the things that are regarding faith, the things that really matter. Surrendering means victory because of who we're surrendering to. Because remember, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and his plan and his will for our life. The creator and the sustainer of the entire universe. He's the one who's in control of all things and has true authority over our lives anyway. And once we understand this, And once we understand all that he's done for us, our hearts should be filled with a desire to gladly surrender, to gladly submit our way to God's way, every area of our lives. Now, before we get too deep into the message today, I want to bring some clarity about the direction that we're going and really the why about uh, why we're talking about this. Because some people might hear a message like this and think that he or she uh, is being accused of not being, quote-unquote, saved, which is a term that we don't hear a lot in churches today. The term saved simply defines a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus because of what they've done according to what the Apostle Paul instructed us to do in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this, If you openly declare, that means with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring, in other words, with your mouth, that your faith, uh, your faith that you are saved. You think, but okay, saved from what? Well, saved from your sin. Saved from living in eternity, the life after this one, forever separated from God, or as Jesus refers to that separation, as hell. Another word we don't hear a lot in churches today. So when you hear in the message today about surrendering or not surrendering, perhaps it could be 
that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You never called on him to be your Lord and Savior. You never asked him to forgive you of your sins. But it could also be that there are particular areas in your life that you've never fully surrendered. And most likely, you already know what those areas are. You already know what that thing is. That area or those areas, that thing, that person, that thought, that addiction, that behavior, that concept, that perspective, that dream. And yes, sometimes we have to surrender our dreams because they're not in God's plan for us. That emotion, that narrative, that resource, that talent, and so on. If that's the case, then it may not be a salvation issue, but it could be a Lord of your life issue. And there's a difference. It's sometimes easier to answer the question, is Jesus your savior? Than it is, okay, but is he Lord of your life? Here's a conversation illustration. If someone were to say, is Jesus Christ your savior? Well, yes, I invited Jesus to be my savior when I was 12 years old. Okay, but is he Lord of your life? Meaning you've completely surrendered your will to his will and you're in complete submission to him regardless of how you feel about it. <laughs> and that's a different question, isn't it? And I've got to tell you that while putting this message together, there were some long, awkward stares in my office as God began to reveal to me and convict me of some of the things that I'm still constantly and consistently trying to submit and surrender over to him. Things that I haven't totally surrendered. Things that I've said, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm surrendering this part of me, this area of me to you, but I'm going to hold on to it loosely. So what does it look like to live a surrendered life? Turning your life over to Jesus to be saved begins here. And it also begins here. But a surrendered life is our complete submission, our actions, our demonstrations, to fully say, Jesus, I'm pushing me aside so that I can be exactly who you've created me to be. Because giving our life to Jesus isn't just a one and done deal. We don't just say the prayer and walk away the same. We shouldn't. Jesus demands our change. He demands transformation. When we say that prayer for Jesus to come into our life, the expectation is not to continue going down the same path from which we came. You see, they're connected. Being saved and Asking God to be the Lord of your life are connected. One leads to the other. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about the surrender of Jesus to the Father. Remember, today we're talking about surrendering like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Being fully surrendered is being fully obedient to the will, the plans, and the ways, and the heart of the Father. Remember our big idea. Surrendering to Jesus is an everyday discipline. 
So if you're taking notes today, uh, you'll see the notes. They're on the back of your program. So if you're taking notes, uh, number one is this. Becoming like Jesus begins with my surrender. Becoming like Jesus begins with my surrender. Christian author uh, Catherine J. Walden says this about surrender. I love this. She says this. The enemy knows that without surrender, we will never experience the freedom that God offers us. Isn't that amazing? That until we surrender, we'll never experience true freedom. That surrendering gives us full freedom. She goes on, without surrender, we will remain spiritually malnourished, ill, and confused. Without surrender, our foxholes become prisons of the enemy's making. Our lack of full surrender limits God's ability to both work in our lives and through our lives. God's call to surrender is not an intimidating, angry bark heard from the other side of the battlefield. God's invitation to surrender is expressed through the example of his son, Jesus. I love that. The call to surrender is a call to live like Jesus lived. He willingly took on human flesh, taking on the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Even to the point of death on the cross, his choice to do whatever his heavenly father asked enabled him to be victorious. And it wasn't always easy to surrender, even for Jesus. Because crucifixion wasn't something new. It wasn't invented just to punish and kill the Son of God. It had been around for centuries, and the Romans had perfected the art and the craft and the science of crucifixion. If you do some research, you'll, you'll discover that they knew exactly what they were doing. They'd studied it for so long, and they were really, really good at it. There's no doubt that Jesus had seen multiple people hanging from crosses, brutally tortured to death because of how popular it was during the time of Jesus. So it's no wonder why on the night that Jesus was arrested that he went into the garden of Gethsemane and he struggled with the act of surrendering himself. This was the human side of Jesus. Don't forget that he was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. And the human side of him was saying, I don't want to go through that. But listen to what he said in that moment. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you are willing, please Take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. Listen, there will be lots of times in your lives too where the act of surrendering could be painful, where the act of surrendering could be stretching for you. You may struggle with surrendering your marriage because you can't control the outcome. Maybe, you're, maybe you'll struggle with surrendering your, your children because you want the best for them and you think you know what's best for them instead of God. Maybe you'll struggle with surrendering that addiction because of the withdrawals that you know you're going to go through, the spiritual withdrawal, or not the spiritual, but the physical and the mental and the emotional and the relational withdrawals that you might incur. You may struggle with surrendering your resources because of fear of lack. You may sur struggle with surrendering your future because of all of the unknowns, all of the ambiguity that we live in in our, in, our, in our society. And those are just a few. We could go on and on about those particular things that we want to hold on to, even if it's just marginally, which means that that's not a complete and total surrender. But remember, we said last week that this life is not static, that we are always moving either forward or backward. And in order for us to move forward in our relationship with Jesus, and become more in the likeness of him.
we have to fully surrender. We have to come to that place in our life where we say, yet not my will, Lord, yours be done in my life. Write this down for number two. Becoming like Jesus demands my obedience. It demands my obedience. To give us an example of a life of obedience, let's look at Peter. All right, you may think, Jeremy, Peter. If you grew up in church, you know a lot about Peter. That dude's life was a mess. That's why I want to dive into Peter, because I think that his life is really reflective of with all the ups and downs and his relationship with Jesus, just like ours, all of his successes and failures. We're going to be reading out of uh, the book of Luke, chapter 5. We're going to go from verses 1 through 8, but I'm going to break it up a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can look at Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 first. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, also Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Notice that Peter stopped working, stopped washing his nets and jumped in the boat with Jesus. I think he was thinking, hey, that's my boat. All right, if we're going to push that out, I'm going to be in the boat with you. And then verses four through seven. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon or Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked, all, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into the other boat. As soon, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. In verses 4 through 7, Jesus is asking Peter to surrender a couple of things. Surrender your pride. Surrender your disbelief. He's demanding Peter's obedience. But once again, Jesus is telling Peter what to do. And Peter doesn't like it. Now, I know there, no one in here has that problem. We all just love being told what to do, right? None of us deals uh, with that, with, with our pride. And don't forget, Jesus was a carpenter by trade, and, and Peter was the fisherman. So who would know more about the science of fishing, about the fishing industry? It would be Peter. And the fact that Jesus was telling Peter to go out into the deep water, into the heat of the day, communicated to Peter that Jesus had no idea what he was talking about. Every fisherman knows that you fish in the shallow water at night, not out in the heat of the day. Come on, Jesus. In fact, they had fished all night and caught nothing. But to appease Jesus, Peter said, all right, if that's what you want, I'll do it. And we just read what happened. Let me ask, when's the last time that you felt as if Jesus was asking you to do something that you didn't want to do? Maybe, I don't want to make peace with that family member, Jesus. But if you want me to, I will. I don't want to say I'm sorry to my spouse first, Jesus. She started it or he started it. And I'm not going to say sorry first. I'm not going to make amends. But if that's what you want me to do, Jesus. I don't want to submit to my boss. I don't want to submit to my coworker. They hate me. They're always out to get me. I'm not going to do that. Or what about this? I don't want to lower my pride, Jesus. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong, Jesus. I don't want to let go of my pain, Jesus. I don't want to let go of my hurts. I need my pain. I cling to my pain and my hurts because that's my identity. 
what about this? Maybe I'll give my life to you later, Jesus, but right now I'm afraid that I might miss out on something else. What if we surrendered like Peter and said, okay, Jesus, I'll do it. I'll surrender to you. I'll obey and I'll submit to your will. Look what Peter, look, look what Peter realized after he witnessed the result of his surrender and his obedience to Jesus. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. Notice, he went from master to Lord. I'm such a sinful man. What humility. It's interesting to note that in verse 5, Peter called Jesus master, which in the Greek is translated as teacher. But then in verse 8, he calls him Lord, which is translated as ruler. Remember in the beginning of the message, we said there's a difference in recognizing Jesus as your Savior and then answering the question, is he the Lord of your life? Peter realized that not only was Jesus a great teacher, but he also had divine authority. And that's to whom he was surrendering. That's to whom he was being obedient. Peter had fought it all he could, but then he realized that on his own, he was nothing. So what did he do? He surrendered his life to Jesus. He left all that he knew and all that he did, and he followed him. He became all in. So that leads us to our last film for the weekend. And it's a question. Will I surrender all? Will I surrender all? Matthew 16, 24, the New Living says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. I love the Passion Translation. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. I've asked Michael to come on, to come up and play a song. If you grew up in church, maybe you recognize uh, the lyrics to this. The song, the old hymn is called, I Surrender All. And the words read like this. You can correct me. Some to Jesus, I surrender. Some to him, no. What is it? All. Notice that some to Jesus, no, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I what? Freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. The second verse goes like this. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Look at this. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. That doesn't mean kill me. What he's saying is here I am. I surrender myself to you. Take me, Jesus, here I am. Take all that I have to offer you and take it now. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. So perhaps during this message, you've already identified one or more of those areas that you know that you need to fully surrender. Those things in your life that you're still loosely holding on to because you don't want to fully give those over to Jesus. Those things that you believe that you still can better control than you think Jesus can. Let me ask, think about this. 
what would your life look like if you were truly able to surrender, whatever it is, fully over to Jesus? How would that change and transform your life? Whatever it is, how would your life be different? Would it give you more peace? Would it restore a relationship? Would it erase some of the shame that you're carrying? Would surrendering whatever that is, would it teach you the joy of generosity? Would, you, would it give you more time with your spouse and or your kids? Because I have a lot of people tell me that their addiction steals and robs so much time with their family. What if you fully surrendered that addiction over to Jesus? How much more time could you spend with your spouse? How much more time could you spend with your family? Would that act of surrender teach you the humility and recognize that God is ultimately in control? I want you to really consider whatever it is that you either intentionally or unintentionally are withholding from God. Or as the definition of surrender goes, resisting to submit to someone else's authority. Or are you refusing to give up or yield something to the power of Jesus? This is some of that deep work that we talked about last week about becoming who God created us to be. Because we remember, we can't be that person until I surrender all. So make a decision to do that today. Surrendering to Jesus is an everyday discipline. So how can you better surrender like Jesus today? Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to surrender. You are the one who created the model for us to surrender. You showed us the heart of surrender, how to surrender our thoughts, how to surrender our lives, how to surrender our suffering, how to surrender all of those things, Lord Jesus, that you went through, Lord. You modeled for us and taught us how to be like you, how to surrender like you, how to, how to, how to live like you. And so, Father, I know that throughout this message, Lord, that you are speaking to all of us individually and showing us those areas of our lives where we haven't fully surrendered. So, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each one of us still, continue to kind of mess with our lives as we meditate on you and meditate on your word, meditate on this prayer. Father, I pray, God, that you will help us surrender. Let us be able to surrender it at your feet, to lay it at your feet and to back away and walk away from it, Lord, and fully with our, aunt, with our hands up, with our hands open, with our hands up towards you and saying, Lord, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. Whatever it is, Lord. And Lord, not just today, Lord, as we walk away, as we wake up tomorrow morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and every day, Lord, let us wake up with this discipline of today I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, surrender my thoughts, surrender my actions, surrender my motives and agendas, Lord. Everything that makes up who I am, I've given it over to Jesus again today, a daily act of surrender. And as we do that, we will become more and more like you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for teaching us how to do this. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? We're going to sing this together before we leave. I surrender all 
Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. We want you to have a great week. Don't forget all the announcements that we made earlier. Uh, Bible studies begin this week. And also, if you came prepared to give, you can give that. And uh, over there on your way out. Don't forget, if you're new here, don't leave without getting that gift that we have for you. And our men's uh, breakfast is this coming Saturday. Have a great week. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Bring somebody with you.